Oh, there's a lot of knocks about just my size. Not being tall enough, not weighing enough. Never looked at it as something I couldn't overcome. Kind of go to work. It would be Bryce Young for me and no one else. He's different than all these other guys. Young escapes for now. Plays it downfield. He's a smaller version of Patrick Mahomes. Does Bryce Young have the frame and the toughness? Small, but I think he's special. Bryce Young did not have a number one receiver. Bryce Young is Steph Curry on a football field. Kind of go to work. A big day as the NFL descends on Tuscaloosa for quarterback Bryce Young's pro, bit and pro day. We're going to go live to T-Town in a moment. Todd McShay, Lewis Riddick, they watch Young throw in person. Tim Hasselbeck is here, and you see Robert Griffin III and Mel Kiefer Jr. with us for the hour. Jeff Darlington joining us shortly as well. So let's get right to it, guys. When asked about Bryce Young's height being a concern today, Nick Saban said, quote, ask the people who had to play against him. You see him throwing there at the pro day. Young did not weigh in today. We kind of thought that would happen. He did throw and really was able to do a variety of different throws at both sides of the field, throwing intermediate, short, you know, all of the deep balls, anything that he wanted to do, he did out there, the accuracy on display. Let's get to a little bit more from Bryce Young as Todd McShay caught up with him after the pro day. We start there. How did you feel out there? How did you think when things went? How would you assess the, the whole workout? Yeah, um, you know, felt good. I feel like it was a great opportunity for me to, you know, show what I can do. Um, you know, this is something that I've been looking forward to, you know, my whole life, you know, and be able to have this opportunity, um, you know, it, it really meant a lot. I'm super grateful for all the people who came out and watched and, you know, just having that support uh, really meant a lot to me. And, you know, being able to come out here and throw with my guys again, I meant the world. So I was happy. When I met with you in October, I think you were like 195, 197 pounds, I think mm -hmm. you said. Got up to 204 at the combine. What have you been doing and what are you going to continue to do with the nutrition and, mm -hmm. and everything that you're doing? Explain to people like what the process is to try to bulk up to get yourself ready for the NFL. Yeah, uh, for me the biggest thing was just eating more consistently. Um, you know, making sure I'm, I'm eating, you know, eating good stuff that's, that's filling but healthy and, and, and good for performance and, you know, eating consistently. Um, being able to put that regimen in um, for me for this offseason um, and something that I feel like is easy to implement moving forward has been really big for me. Um, and, you know, really that's where it came from. When I talked to you before the Mississippi State game, you you gave in great detail kind of what, what you studied in Aaron Rodgers. You said, I, you know, I watch a lot of quarterbacks in the league, but Aaron mm -hmm. Rodgers, can you explain to, to people out there who are curious, what is it specifically about Aaron that you see in his game that you try to maybe implement in yours? Yeah, I think his ability to be a passer in so many different scenarios. Um, you know, obviously the clean stuff where there's a clean pocket, um, but being able to manipulate the pocket and still keep his eyes downfield, remain a passer at all times. Um, and, you know, when he has to extend a play, doing so to be a passer. Um, and, you know, all this stuff and all the crazy throws you see him make, you know, he's able to do so much with his lower half and yep. throw from anywhere, but his upper body is so consistent hmm. um, and so still. And, um, you know, just, just the accuracy and the confidence that he plays with, um, that's something that I definitely try to emulate and have looked up to a lot. Todd McShay and Lewis Riddick are there in Tuscaloosa. So glad to have you guys again today. And we start with you, Todd, and want to get your opinion too, Lewis. What did you see from Bryce Young as he threw out there? I saw a quarterback that has great timing who has a quick release, who throws with anticipation, throws a catchable ball, and a quarterback that, let's face it, if they had Marvin Harrison Jr. and Jackson Smith and Jigba, would have had a far few balls hit the ground as, as they did today. There were a lot of catchable balls that were dropped. And there were three different vertical throws where he was just trying to showcase his arm. And he had a receiver that doesn't have Harrison or Jackson Smith and Jigba's speed to get down the field and track it. So 
you have to keep that in mind when watching this, but I, I saw a lot of fluidity. I saw a quarterback, as he talked about with Aaron Rodgers, like it doesn't matter where the, where the lower half is doing, the upper body, is, the flexibility that he has gives him the opportunity to make a lot of throws that most quarterbacks can't make. Yeah, I mean, really, Laura, in this environment, he showed exactly what you would expect, which is a guy who throws the football with great ease. He has great command of everything around him as far as what, what they're asking him to do and what he wants to get done. The ball comes out of his hands with plenty of velocity. He can switch it up between touch throws and then really driving the football with a lot more velocity and putting it more on a straight line. He has a lot of athleticism outside the pocket. He can manipulate his lower half and his upper half in order to get himself in the position to throw the football a long, long way, a very long way. So, look, whether he, you know, obviously you want him to hit the majority of his throws, but the ones that he missed really aren't really a concern. This conversation about who's going to go number one overall is much more nuanced and much more detailed than what happened out here on this field today or what happened yesterday with C.J. Stroud. It's a lot more than that, and I saw Josh McCown in the hallway here just before we came over here, and I told him, the last thing I said was, good luck making this decision. <laughs> and he just laughed because that's exactly what he needs. They need some luck as far as making sure they do the right thing and pick the well, right and guy. And here's the thing, Lauren. I'm sorry to jump in. If you're just dropped on this planet and you get an opportunity in a 24-hour span as we've had to have an apples-to-apples -apples comparison at Pro Day and it's fresh on your mind, C.J. Stroud had the more brilliant pro day of the two. The ball jumps out of his hands with a little bit more juice, has a little bit more energy at the end of throws, but he's built to be a pocket passer. That's the first yeah. thing you have to understand. The second thing is pro day workouts for quarterbacks is probably the least important part of the evaluation. And then the third thing is what Bryce Young does when the initial play breaks down the spatial awareness in the pocket, the ability to maneuver, extend plays, keeping his eyes down the field, ha having the play, you know, every play is just so slow to him. You can tell with mm. the poise and the presence that he has. That can't be showcased in a pro day. So you're not making a decision off of this. Uh, there, more happened at dinner last night with David and Nicole Tepper than, than happened on the field here in terms of what the final evaluation is going to be. But ultimately, they're two very different style quarterbacks. They both project to be elite in the NFL. And and it's been a pleasure, quite honestly, to mm. watch these two guys work yeah. in the last 24 hours. Yeah, it's very well said, guys. What a special quarterback class that we're getting to witness right now. It's going to be so fun to see what decisions end up happening. And to Todd's point, I mean, the tape is really what matters when it comes to Bryce Young. There's more from uh, mm. Lewis and Todd a little bit later on, so we'll get to that in a bit. But, you know, it was interesting because you just heard Todd there, Tim, mentioning the dinners and yeah. some of the conversations that that is really key right now as these teams are trying to get to know who they may be investing millions and millions of dollars in and dinners not because he's just eating more consistently so there you go yeah dinners because they're trying to figure out like all right hey like is this the type of guy that like I really believe in right. because I think what both you know Lewis and Todd just said when you look at the tape look the tape's impressive for both guys and there are characteristics in terms of you know, their quarterback play that you like about both guys. Th that's undeniable. But I think it's beyond that. It's, all right, who do I want to be in a meeting room with all day long? Who do I think is going to, you know, kind of have this infectious attitude and optimism in my facility, with my team, in my city, if you're the Teppers? How is he going to affect all of that? I think that's really what it is, yeah. is getting a feel for the person to try to figure out, is this the type of leader that I am going to invest in. I think that's more important than what this is probably, uh, you know, a better part of in terms of the evaluation process for the Panthers.
Yeah, I don't disagree at all, Tim. I think that both these guys are great leaders. And when you talk about Bryce Young, everyone wants to bring up his height, his size, his weight. Well, I can tell you that one thing about him that is tall is his talent. And his talent has been taller and outweighed his competition at every single level that he has played at. So don't let what you see in his measurables distract you from what you see on his tape. I had an opportunity to go out and work with Bryce Young a few weeks back, and the thing that I came away with is what you just heard Mel, I mean, uh, Todd and also Lewis talk about is that Bryce Young has quiet feet, he has a quiet throwing motion, and he has a quiet personality. Everything looks so easy to him, but I tell you what, his game on tape, is the loudest thing about him, and it's louder than any stadium that he's ever played in. That's what I love so much about him. And the last thing I'll add is the, the relationship that he has with his parents is truly special. Mm. Getting an opportunity to go out and work out with him and talk with his family and get to know what makes Bryce Young Bryce Young was truly an experience for me. I'm thankful to them that they gave me that opportunity. And what I came away thinking about was when I asked Bryce, who is your hero? He got emotional, right? He laughed at first, and then he got emotional and started talking about his father, Craig, and how impactful he has been in his life. One thing is for sure, any team that gets Bryce Young is not only going to get a leader, but they're going to get a guy who is prepared for anything, any challenge that the NFL throws his way. And I was, a, I was very lucky to have an opportunity to go see that. Yeah, even recently seeing his father, Craig, at the Combine, just how proud he is and how they, they sort of smile and laugh about some of the size concerns. They say, yeah, he's had him his entire life. It hasn't stopped him yet. There's more on Bama's Pro Day coming later on in the show, especially when we talk about some of the other high, potentially high-drafted players in Will Anderson Jr. and Jameer Gibbs. But let's get to this. New on NFL Live, Adam Schefter tweeting moments ago, Cowboys running back Ezekiel Elliott has narrowed down his options about where to play to the Eagles, Jets, and Bengals. He would like to make his decision about where to sign by the end of next week per sources. We bring in Jeff Darlington here, our insider, for a little bit more context on all of this. Jeff, what are you hearing as it relates to Zeke's destination? Well, Laura, when we look at those three teams, what do we see? We see three potential contenders this season. The Jets, obviously, if they have Aaron Rodgers move higher up onto that list along with the Eagles and the Bengals. So this is clearly a situation where Zeke is saying, look, I've done it all, I've made the money, now I want to chase the championship. The question becomes, where is the best fit? I mean, you could look at the Jets. I know it feels like we're sort of assembling this dream team of names, but mm. it actually does make sense given that Brees Hall is dealing with the torn ACL recovery. They could use a running back. They'll have to sign somebody. The Bengals, on the other hand, makes sense because we really don't know about Joe Mixon's future. Uh, and the Eagles, well, I mean, a Cowboys running back, a Cowboys legend mm. going to the Eagles to finish out his career, that too feels like a storyline too uh, amazing to ignore. Yeah, that one uh, surprised me just a little bit, but maybe there's a little bit of a, hey, I'd like to you know, play in the NFC yeah. East and show you a little something. It, what do you think about potential destinations, those three teams? Yeah. Well, I would actually say, kind of to your point, the, the Eagles actually seems to make the least amount of sense right. for me. The other two, and, and Jeff just touched on it, Look at the situation for the Jets. Obviously, Brees Hall is coming off the ACL injury. Bam Knight's a young back, an older back that will not have to carry the load for the entire season, assuming Brees Hall comes back healthy. Uh, Zonovan Knight, you know, back in the mix. And so I think that is a, a team that would certainly be interesting. And I would just say this about the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, and, and people that have talked about Z maybe being a little bit slower, got 22 rushing touchdowns in the mm -hmm. last two seasons. Mm-hmm. 
That's he is still an exceptional situational runner. So meaning short yardage and goal line runner. And so if you have that ability to be part of your offense, that changes things quite a bit. If you're if you're Cincinnati, that would be one I would watch for sure. I would say that the Eagles doesn't make sense, but for different reasons. It's not the playing of Ezekiel Elliott. I think if you're going to go to the Eagles, they've seen you kill them year after year after year. They might want some of that on their side now, even if it's not quite as explosive as it used to be. But if I'm Ezekiel Elliott, I'm not going to Philly because I don't want to tarnish my Cowboys legacy. Hmm. I feel like that is a part of, of his story that he has to think about because going to the Eagles definitely gives them an opportunity to win. But I look at this and I say the Jets are the best fit. You talked about Zonovan now. You talk about Brees Hall. Michael Carter is also there. But Ezekiel Elliott, if you want to get him motivated to go out and give it a last hoorah, why not go to the Jets with a guy like Aaron Rodgers who can pull the best out of you? I think that would be an interesting fit. And if we get Ezekiel Elliott, Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> OBJ, all these guys in New York, I mean, we're going to have a frenzy on NFL Live and first take and get up for the entire year. It'll be glorious. Yeah, I mean, listen, like it, it all sounds great, right? We're just waiting for it all to happen. Although the Jets have been not so quietly even assembling this team of a lot of good players as they've made some moves even this week. We'll keep an eye on all of that. Another note too, uh, Tony Pollard signed the franchise tag today with the Cowboys. So we'll keep an eye on exactly what they do at running back. But there's a lot to get to today, guys. We're just getting started here on NFL Live. So keep it locked right here as the Jets, as I mentioned, sacking up those weapons in preparation for the possibility of landing Aaron Rodgers, but Robert is concerned why they have yet to build the O-line the way he'd like to see it in New York. He will explain that. Plus, we got plenty more coming from Tuscaloosa. Mel Kiper Jr. should be back with us as well as Lewis and Todd. Which Bama prospects will be absolute studs in the league next season? Stay tuned. NFL Live on ESPN carries on. It's all till it's gone, then I got to know now. Is you with me or what? Or you try and wait till I'm up? This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We start week number five of the XFL season. Let's get it in. <sighs> Do these fans in St. Louis love football or what? Oh! AJ said you taught him everything he knows. I'm kind of rooting for them, but hopefully we win by one. I was learning to, to carry the torch, not face the torch. Backside pressure. Ball is out. Seattle has it. Zenit gets dropped. Good job, TJ. He slid my way. Easy money. Huh. Well, let's just stop talking. <laughs>
Hell no, they can't cover Jeff. Come on! What a catch! The deck! Touchdown, Vegas! Yes, sir! Oh, good move by Danucci, and his receiver does the rest! I'm dropping straight time! It's a work in progress yeah. for the odds makers. DC still been cashing tickets left and right by an average cover margin of nearly eight and a half points per game. Abram Smith! No one's gonna get him! Touchdown, DC defender! They're gonna run it right there. That hole opens up a 70-yard house call for Abram Smith. Hey, shout out to my mom, but teach me how to run. Intercepted by Arlington. We got it! I call a game. How much fun was that? Oh, man. What a week five in the XFL. Here's week six on the XFL schedule Saturday. The Sea Dragons and Guardians on ABC at 1 Eastern with the Battlehawks taking on the Vipers at 7 Eastern on FX. Sunday afternoon, it's the Brahmas and Renegades on ABC. And Monday, the Roughnecks and Defenders at 7 Eastern on ESPN2. Every game also available on ESPN+. Glad you're with us here on NFL Live. Let's bring back in Jeff Darlington for some top stories around the NFL. Jeff, we start with the latest on Lamar Jackson. What can you tell us? Well, I would love to tell you more, Laura, but when it comes to <laughs> Lamar Jackson, the waiting game continues. Certainly, we know that the non-exclusive tag has been placed on him. So far, a very slowly developing market, to say the least, for Lamar Jackson outside of Baltimore. But at this point, I'm also told that nothing is imminent in terms of Lamar Jackson signing that tender or uh, ultimately accepting any deal from the Ravens. So instead, we wait, and Lamar waits for something to materialize as well. DeAndre Hopkins' trade market is certainly something that we're watching very closely. When you talk to people around the league, it's pretty clear that most teams know that Hopkins can be had if, in fact, a team so desires. Now, uh, I talked to another number of teams that are out on him. One team general manager telling me that they don't feel like his on-field play really is worth that contract at this point. But there will be a team out there, I assure you, who will make that move at some point. Big move for the Jets yesterday, really paving the way for that potential trade for Aaron Rodgers. Elijah Moore on the way out. This allows the Jets to acquire a second-round pick instead of the third that they had that went uh, to Cleveland. This obviously a situation where that slot receiver spot opens up. Nicole Hardman signs with the team to replace Elijah Moore. But don't, uh, don't just go ahead and ignore that wide receiver room. We still could see change on the horizon, maybe more additions, maybe more subtractions. Laura? Yeah, uh, there is that wish list of Aaron Rodgers. You got to fill that up potentially. Okay, Hardman is dangerous, by the way, with the ball in his hands. Here's exactly what the Jets are getting. Since entering the NFL in 2019, he's averaged 8.3 yards after the catch per reception. That's the second highest rate among wide receivers, trailing only Debo Samuel. You think about his game, and it paints the picture. He joins a group of Jets wide receivers that includes another new addition, of course, Alan Lazard, along with last season's Offensive Rookie of the Year, Garrett Wilson. Here's Hardman today on why he wanted to come to New York. The Jets was, was, was a good situation. Um, I think that they got a great foundation here. They, they, they got some, some nice pieces. Um, I think Alan Lazar, you know, him signing, you know, playing alongside him have been great too. And they, they got, a, you know, a great, you know, second-year player now and Garrett Wilson who had an uh, absolutely, you know, unbelievable year. Guys with those those names, you know, just to play alongside them definitely, you know, is, is attractive. And, I mean, obviously, you know, the news with A-Rod and everything like that, we um, still don't know what's going on with there. But, um, obviously, that, that's something you can think about. But, Besides that, it was just more so thing. The Jets itself was like the right fit for me. All right, so Jeff, you kind of hinted at this. There's the wish list, and the Jets right. may or may not be done bringing in receivers. Give us a name that you've got your eye on there. 
Well, I'll give you the name, and that is Odell Beckham Jr. We should continue to keep our eyes on this potential match. You saw that list of notable wide receivers for the Jets, and you saw at the bottom of it Corey Davis, who has that fourth-highest cap hit right now going into this season. Davis obviously very vulnerable, and if you can replace him with someone, that someone could very well be Odell. Both sides still believe that this is a potential fit. Now, there are obviously financial differences, or I believe this thing would be done. Ultimately, uh, keep an eye on this. It still could happen. There is still is room, despite what looks like a very crowded wide receiver room. Changes can be made, but Odell very much on the radar of the New York Jets. Yeah, it, Odell's come out, Tim, and said he's not asking for $20 million a year, or at least not now, but he thinks that $4 million is too low. When you think about his, <laughs> I know, right? When you think about his actual fit, though, on a Jets offense, that I guess in this moment, let's assume Aaron Rodgers is their quarterback. How does that look for you? I think it would, that would be good. Like, I, I think Odell Beckham Jr. paired with Aaron Rodgers is a good thing I, because I, I do think it's important for Odell to play with a quarterback that – kind of has the ability to, to remain in control. And I think Aaron obviously would have that, have that. And I think that the, you know, supporting cast at wide receiver, I think he would fit in fine with that. My only fear with the Jets is, is we kind of talk about this. It's like, all right, hey, Aaron Rodgers, and hey, OBJ, and hey, oh, here comes Ezekiel Elliott. Like, you know, you do need guys to run down on the kickoff team and be <laughs> on the punt team. And mm. there is elements of, of the team aspect and young players that kind of play above their contract that all good teams have. Right. And so I think it's important to have that and not lose sight of that if you just continue to add star after star. It's a really young team, too, so you wonder about the actual complexion of the team chemistry. There, there's just a lot there that has yet to be sorted out. And, Robert, along those lines, where else should the Jets be looking to add in your mind? Well, Laura, to even piggyback off what Tim said, the, the more guys you have in that wide receiver room, if you're five deep of guys who want to be the guy, you don't have guys to run down on kickoff and to do be the gunner on punt. So I think that's a very valid point. But an even bigger point for the Jets is their offensive line. You can have all the skill guys you want, but if you don't have guys to protect Aaron Rodgers, that's going to be a problem. Last year, they were ranked 21st in the league in pass block win rate. That's terrible. They had nine different, start, different starting offensive line units. They had uh, 11 different linemen that played up front, and they didn't have the same five guys play more than three games in a row together. That's a massive issue. So they want to keep the draft capital that they have, and I think that might be something that's slowing down this trade with the Packers because they don't want to give up that first-round pick or even maybe those two second-round picks because mm. they know they have to add to the offensive line to protect a guy in Aaron Rodgers at 39 who isn't quite as mobile as he used to be, and those hits hurt. Uh, Robert, did you start the show with those glasses on? Did you put them on? Just now? Laura, I, didn't, I did not start the show with the glasses on, but as you know, <laughs> when the glasses go on, the facts come out. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm really glad I asked about that. That was really oh, worth it, right? You yeah. were waiting. You were like, <laughs> I got to get in on that. Asking Laura for are they a prescription? They are not prescription. They are actually blue light glasses. So, you know, well, listen, all these uh, this show got to protect the eyes. Look at, you know the, look at the investigative journalist, Jeff. <laughs> Jeff's yeah. on it. Well, I, I was wondering if the show was giving uh, Robert a headache and he had yeah. to put him on. Anyway, it's all good. Coming up next on NFL Live, more from Lewis Riddick and Todd McShay. They join us live from Bama's Pro Day. Bryce Young, the main attraction. But what about Will Anderson Jr., running back Jameer Gibbs? He might be the best back behind B. John Robinson in this draft. We'll be right back with more.
This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Uh. Legacy. Dante Harris. Legacy. Dante Smith. My legacy. Before my time is up, I'll make them all remember me. Just because we have the A on our chest doesn't mean anything. We have to earn everything. Legendary. This is Legacy. Hey, you could assemble an entire starting offense and defense comprised of active NFL players who went to Alabama, and that lineup stacked, okay? The offense led by Jalen Hurts, the runner-up for MVP last season. Hurts is joined in the backfield by Derrick Henry and Josh Jacobs, who led the NFL in rushing yards last season. And the defense features two of the best interior pass rushers in the NFL in Jonathan Allen and Quinnen Williams, along with an impressive cornerback trio of Patrick Sertan II, Trevon Diggs, and Marlon Humphrey. What a team. Anybody want to draft that whole team and put them all together? All right, back to Alabama's Pro Day, where there are several other top prospects in addition to Bryce Young. That includes Brian Branch, who is the top-ranked safety in this draft class. You see him there. And then Jameer Gibbs, the second-ranked running back prospect. Gibbs, a versatile back who was one of two FBS players to record at least 900 rushing yards and 400 receiving yards last season. Will Anderson Jr. didn't work out today, but expected to be the first defensive player drafted. Here he is and Nick Saban on what makes him tick. Really just my love for the game. I know it's kind of cliche, but like, I just feel like my love, my mentality that I have, what beats in my chest, I tell people all the time, they say, Will, what separates you from everybody? And I said, everybody can go out there and get sacks. Everybody can go out there and make tackles. But everybody don't got what Will Anderson beat in his chest. Yeah. Like my heart, my mentality that I have, I feel like that's what separates me from everybody. So that's what keeps me going, the love, the passion, you know, what the game brings, other than just the money part of it, but more of like, what, you know, the relationships that you build with your teammates, the jumping up and down, all of those things are what keeps me going, the process day in and day out. Um, that's what you know. What makes me tick, and what makes me want to keep going. Uh, he's a great leader. He sets a good example. He's got great work ethic. You're not going to find a better person anywhere in the world. I, I just couldn't say enough good things about wow. you know Will Anderson and who he is, and uh, and I think that's helped his development. He has great ability, mm-hmm. but he plays to that ability all the time because he is a really a dog ass competitor. I mean, he really is a great competitor. Hell, Nick. 
Uh, all right, we got Todd McShay and Lewis mm -hmm. Riddick back from Tuscaloosa <laughs> live there at Alabama's Pro Day. Uh, guys, we heard about Bryce Young's workout earlier with you guys, but a couple notable other early draft picks out there. What else did you see? And Todd, we'll start with you on who stuck out to you. Yeah, first of all, that was the best quote I got all day from every, any GM coach or, or scout that I talked to, the dog-ass competitor. But listen, Brian Branch to me is, is a classic example of football player versus times. He ran a 4.58 in the 40-yard dash, and everyone's like, ah, I don't know, he's a safety. Can he cover? Does he have the speed? Go study his tape. You've got DeMarco Hellman's, or, uh, Hellman and, and uh, Jordan Battle who are going to be drafted as safeties from Alabama, Alabama. And there's no question who the best safety is. It's the instincts. It's the ability to read the quarterback's eyes. Playing that star position, that big nickel for Nick Saban and his defense, the, the way he made plays in the backfield tackles for loss, sacks, interceptions, big play after big play. I, I saw him working out with Deshae Townsend, the Jaguars' defensive back coach and pass game coordinator after the workouts were done. The, the, you know, the group is DB's workout, and then the, the Deshae Townsend took him aside and worked out with him privately for a while. And that was interesting to see because Jacksonville picks at 24 overall. Mm. Well, I'll tell you what, Jameer Gibbs, the running back here, if there, he's the perfect combination of when the times match exactly how he looks on the field. Because as soon as he took the field in his workout today, you could instantly say, see that this athlete is just different. This is a guy who has got twitchiness, who's got spring in his step, who's got explosiveness, and it's so easy. He's never not under control, and that's exactly how he looks when you see that jersey number one on tape. Whether it's running between the tackles, running outside the tackles, catching the ball out of the backfield, he can do it all. I know there are people out there who both are fans and people who are scouts, quite honestly, who think Jameer Gibbs is an Alvin Kamara type of clone. Yeah. Look, he's faster than Alvin Kamara. Jameer Gibbs at 200 pounds is low 4'3". So really, what he reminds you a little bit of is Christian McCaffrey in terms of, but Christian's probably 10 to 15 pounds heavier, to be quite honest. Jameer's only about 200. Christian's about 210, 212. But this guy has got it all. When his workout was over, he wasn't sweating. And if you look at this video right here, he was flying through this workout. His feet were like typewriters. He caught everything. He has got long speed short. He's got it all. So for him... He's going to be one of those Reggie Bush, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara Dalvin type of Cook. guys who's going to wind up making a team very happy and probably wind up being one of those backs that you'll want on your fantasy football team in PPR Ooh. leagues. Just a little plug for fantasy football right there. <laughs> I, I love it. you got to get you know. that in. I mean, Lewis, it's interesting because you think about Bama last year, really a lot of their production in the receiving game came from Jameer Gibbs. He, he was one of the most reliable yeah. pass yeah. catchers for Bryce Young. Watching All right, the I, receivers out here today, we know why. Yeah, well, uh, good point, Todd, to be totally honest. Uh, listen, so I got something I need to clear up here because I saw this birthday cake action for Todd's birthday yesterday. Lewis, did you eat the first piece? Did you take the first piece of Todd's no, cake? I cleared it up. I, I, I did not, but I wanted to. Okay, because I will tell you, I am the absolute birthday cake bandit of all bandits. I was eyeing him up. I, I, it was a test of character. He was hanging out over there, and I thought for sure he was going to take a bite. I was just going to let it happen. What would have been better is if you would have saw him in the video of me eating that in my rental car afterwards. I mean, it was like a Hoover vacuum. It was just like shoveling that it, stuff by in. By the way... It was darn good cake. That cake looks so Very good. good. I, that, that was my biggest comment on the whole thing is I'm like, give me some of that cake. I, I'm, I'm eating for two at this point. I need some. All right. Thanks, you guys, Absolutely. so much. Such good stuff. Fascinating from Bama's Pro Day. Let's get Mel Kuyper Jr. in here for a little bit more on these top prospects from Alabama. Begin with Will Anderson Jr., Mel. 
Well, Will Anderson Jr. set the bar so high in 2021. You think about 101 tackles, 17 and a half sacks. He couldn't duplicate that, and teams knew they had a chip at Will Anderson. His numbers dropped, but I'll tell you, the active hands, tremendous hand usage, great worker, tremendous character. He won't be an 18 to 20 sack a year guy. Probably 10 to 12 sacks, but that'll be fine. He's the number two player on the big board right now. Brian Branch, you think about what he did in terms of versatility at Alabama in that defensive secondary. You can play covering the slot, center field box. He does it all. Intercepts passes, tackles for lost sacks, and 90 tackles this year for that Alabama defense. Jameer Gibbs on the offensive side of the ball. Todd and Lewis were talking about the versatility that he brings. He was a great kick returner at Georgia Tech in addition to a dynamic running back receiver. He did that at Alabama this year as well. Catching the football out of the backfield. You can move him to the slot. You can move him wide. He can do so much with that 4-3-6 speed. A home run, a touchdown waiting to happen. I think he'll be a solid second round draft choice. Has more of an accent piece in the NFL. Thanks so much to Mel with the latest there dealing with a little bit of technical difficulties here today Mel so I commend you for powering through. Uh, we got more coming your way here on NFL Live as we carry on talking about the Cowboys. We saw Tony Pollard sign that franchise tag today. Exactly what does that look like? Ezekiel Elliott has been released but he's got three teams he's looking at one of them being the New York Jets. All that and much more coming your way next on NFL Live. We'll be right back. It was never, never. Gotta get it now. Must laugh for the people for showing me love and holding me down. Get yeah, we on right now. Here's our next UFC fight night. Our bantamweight main event. Third-ranked Marlon Chito Vera takes on fifth-ranked Corey Sandhagen. The winner keeps his title hopes alive. The prelims begin at 4 Eastern, followed by the main card at 7 ESPN and ESPN Plus. That's a spot for all of that. This new one, NFL Live, Adam Schefter tweeting this right at the beginning of our show. Cowboys running back Ezekiel Elliott has narrowed down his options about where to play to the Eagles, Jets, and Bengals. He'd like to make his decision about where to sign by the end of next week per sources. That's something to keep an eye on, but also this when it comes to the Cowboys. Okay, Tony Pollard signed the franchise tag. Reminder, he broke his fibula 60 days ago. We'll keep an eye on exactly what happens with him, but let's bring in Jeff Darlington here as you think about Pollard, Jeff, but what does this actually mean with him signing the franchise tag for the Cowboys? Laura, it is significant. It's very important. This means that Tony Pollard will be at all the offseason workouts. He will be at training camp. He is the featured back for the Dallas Cowboys. He'll get $10.1 million this coming season. Now the two sides can continue to negotiate for a long-term deal, the deadline being July 15th for that. But ultimately, this just kind of sets aside any potential drama. We know Ezekiel Elliott is no longer with the team. We know that Ronald Jones recently signed. He'll be the backup to Pollard. But big things for Pollard ahead, according to Jerry Jones. And now you take any potential drama out of that mix. Yeah, I mean, we kind of felt like this was the direction they would go, Tim. But do you like what the Cowboys have done with their running backs, tagging Pollard and letting Zeke go? I do like it because I think you've seen it and they learned the lesson. Like you extend a running back and, you know, next thing you know, it feels like you've overpaid a running back who's banged up. It can easily happen at that position. I like it for this reason. Pollard, because of how he came into the league, it feels like there's an appreciation. Like, hey, opportunity to sign the franchise tag, I'm going to sign it. I'm going to make $10 bucks this year, more than I've made, and I'm excited to be there. And I think you have one of the more explosive backs in the game as your lead back. And I also like the pairing of Ronald Jones for a guy that's a, you know, a pretty good situational runner. So I, I do think 
in a weird way, even though Dak had been outstanding for them and, you know, was, it was a great cowboy. I actually think they're better at the position now, Laura, than they were, you know, a week ago. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll tell you guys why Tony Pollard signed that, that franchise tender. It's because he sees what the running back market is. He ain't no dummy. Ooh, he gonna yeah. take that 10.1 and coming off a broken leg and understand what the what the assignment is. But I don't think the Cowboys are done at the running back position. They've already filled the two most pressing needs on their team by trading for Brandon Cooks and Stephon Gilmore to solidify the receiver room and also the cornerback position. Low-risk moves with that could possibly have championship uh, caliber results, but they got to gear up to go get another running back and who better to go get than Texas's very own B. John Robinson uh, of all the backs in this draft. He is the most special. He can do everything that Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott could do in one package. The, the couples one stat for you here. As I said, when the glasses go on, the facts come out. B. John Robinson over the last two years has broken 183 tackles. The next closest guy in college football, 123. Ooh. Hey, Laura, do you know what B. John Robinson's name stands for? I don't. All right, so it's Persian. It's of Persian descent, and it means hero. But every defender that he goes up against thinks that he's the villain. Okay, Rob. You know what my favorite thing is that everyone's face is on the screen after he drops these lines. Right Robert, yeah, I also, I caught you with that understood the assignment drop in there too. We get a little TikTok in the action. Hey, here's something else though. Uh, division rival, the Eagles, could also be a suitor for Bijan Robinson. Remember, they have the 10th overall pick. They don't have Miles Sanders anymore. Be interesting if the Cowboys are trying to get him. You could see Jerry Jones get a little aggressive. We'll keep an eye on that too for sure. All right, let's get to some more news. And this was uh, really unfortunate to see, but we're hoping for the best. Free agent tight end Foster Moreau has been diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, a form of cancer, and is stepping away from football to receive treatment. The 25-year-old Moreau was diagnosed following a physical with the Saints medical staff. And Moreau wrote on Twitter that, quote, this free agency period has been life-changing for me. The New Orleans native who played collegiately at LSU played the past four seasons for the Raiders and has had 91 catches, just over 1,100 yards and 12 touchdowns. Moreau ended his tweets about the cancer discovery with this quote. He said, I'll go kick this thing's ass and get back to doing what I love, end quote. Wishing the best for Foster Moreau and his family. When we come back here on NFL Live, will it be C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young that fits best in Carolina? Well, Tim, we'll talk about which quarterback he would take based off accuracy and control, two very important components for an NFL QB. We'll be right back. We're back on NFL Live, and we've seen some great back-to-back -back pro days. It's a crucial week in draft evaluation happening right now. Some of the top QBs, C.J. Stroud yesterday putting on an absolute show and really came out aggressively at Ohio State's Pro Day. Then Bryce Young today showing that accuracy, the precision on display. Todd McShay talked with Alabama coach Nick Saban today. 5'10 and change, 204 pounds. You know him. I've, I've spent a little time around him. I've studied all of his throws. But you know him. You've spent day after day with him. 
Why is he going to be able to overcome that and, and be a great quarterback in the NFL? I, I, I sort of compare him to Drew Brees in a lot of ways. Okay. Uh, I think a lot of people had some questions about Drew Brees when he was coming out of Purdue, but he's always been my nemesis as a defensive coach, whether it was when he was at Purdue and I was at Michigan State yep. or playing him in the NFL or whatever. So um, I, the reason that I think he's going to overcome it is because he's so instinctive. He plays the quarterback position like a point guard in basketball. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he sees the field so well, makes quick decisions. Uh, people worry about his durability, but I think they underrate his quickness yep. and ability to – you know, create windows for himself as well as to escape in the pocket if he needs to. So um, I just I, I can't figure out a negative about who he is, how he prepares, how he's played, how he's performed, and what his capabilities are. You know, Tim, sometimes things come full circle. You think about the context there, mentioning Drew Brees, Nick Saban, as a, he had a chance to draft Drew Brees. Or to get him in Miami. When he get was him there. in Miami, yeah, I mean. Yeah, exactly. Work out so well. Uh, anyway, uh, we would all like to go back and take Drew Brees if we had the chance. So it, when you think about Bryce Young and why, in your mind, the size and some of these concerns don't matter, why is yeah, that? I think when we've talked about these quarterbacks, it's been clear. Like, hey, this guy does this well, and this guy does you know, this maybe better than the other guy. For Bryce Young, it's like, well, hey, he's a way better creator than C.J. Stroud. Well, how about playing inside the pocket with arm strength? Here's a good example against Kansas State. They're going to roll him away from where he's throwing the football, and he's going to read this backside corner. That backside corner sits. He's throwing the deep over from the other side. This ball is absolutely launched. It's thrown from the 40 and lands about five yards deep in the end zone. That's a big-time throw. Similar situation here against Vanderbilt. It's near the end of the half. Hashes are wider in college. The fact that he can shoot this ball outside the numbers from the far hash down the field is outstanding. Then you look at C.J. Stroud and you say, well, he's just a pocket passer. He can't create like Bryce Young. Well, wait, not so fast. Yes, he's not Bryce Young as a creator, but how about this? Doesn't like what he sees front side. Gets backside. Has to escape away. Brings the receiver with him and then throws this ball for a touchdown against Georgia. We know obviously had a great defense. Same football game. How about making things, you know, cleaned up up front? Again, doesn't define itself front side. You get an absolute whiff by your left guard. Hey, no problem. Be Houdini in the pocket. Good job climbing and then getting this football out for another touchdown pass. And so I think when you look at these things, we talk about these quarterbacks and what they're good at doing. Well, look, the, the ability to play from the pocket with a strong arm for Bryce Young, that's still there. The ability to still create if you're uh, C.J. Stroud, that's still there. And that's why, Laura, I really think that like when you look at these guys, there's not a ton. They're totally different players. But there's not a ton that separates them. They're both very good. I think it's more about personality and fit, yeah. you know, than what you've just seen on the field. Yeah, I'll just say it for you, Tim. You can't go wrong with either guy. At the, at the end of the day, the reason that C.J. Stroud was so scrutinized before that Georgia game was because they viewed him as an old-school throwback quarterback. What I mean by that is he's going to sit in the pocket, he's going to pick you apart. But in today's game, you have to be able to have some mobility. You don't got to run like Lamar Jackson, but you have to be able to create when the play is not there. And that's what C.J. Stroud showed in that Georgia game. If he can do that more consistently, I think then the conversation wouldn't be so much about how different C.J. Stroud 
and, and Bryce Young are. Bryce Young had to create at Alabama because he didn't have the same protection that C.J. Stroud had at Ohio State. He had to create at Alabama because he didn't have the weapons at wide receiver that C.J. Stroud had. So I think that more comes into the discussion, but both of these guys are mobile. Both of these guys can create, and they're phenomenal quarterbacks. Great tape there, Tim. The one ad thing that I will add real quickly is that the motivation for both of them is different, though. Being around Bryce Young, he's more intrinsically motivated, and he's not really worried about what the outside is saying and doesn't let that kind of creep into his, his, uh, his mindset of mm. what he's doing. But for C.J. Stroud, he is, man, I'd say if you put him on a list and you put him at number five, this man is going to try to show you everything why he should be number one. And I think that's going to really push him throughout his career. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be the question that we ask every day up until the draft on Thursday night uh, at the end of April. It's interesting because Stroud said to me at the combine that the Georgia game and his performance in that game is really who he is as a quarterback. Yeah. He was injured last season throughout the year. That affected a lot of the way that he decided to play. Either way, these pro days carry on. So tomorrow we got Will Levis Let's at Kentucky. Go. We got Tim back. We're going to be doing all of the conversation around Levis, who's a really interesting quarterback. So make sure you keep it with us here on NFL Live throughout the week. Robert, keep those glasses on, okay? The facts come out. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>